I have nothing new for you tonight. It should make you pretty happy. The Word of God, this thing called a gospel, it means good news. And tonight we're going to look at why it's called good news. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 11. Read the Scripture and then we'll be seated. Uh, verse 3 says, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3 says, uh, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I want to read it again. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. This, this gospel is simple. It is so simple, the children should be able to understand it. Take this lovely young couple here. You been married long? <laughs> How old are you, buddy? Eight. My name's Bruce. What's your name? Andrew. Andrew. What's your name, sweetheart? Stephanie. Stephanie. And how old are you? Eleven. Eleven. And if I'm preaching tonight and you don't understand what I'm preaching, I'm doing something wrong. You should be able to understand what I'm preaching. This word should never, ever be so complicated that children cannot understand it. Because the gospel is good news, and children need good news too. And children... Uh, have a much greater chance of coming to Christ when they're young. Because as, as we get older, our hearts get harder. And so uh, children, it, they must be captured at a young age. So we have got to keep this gospel simple. Because it is simple. If I understand it, it's simple. You've got to trust me on this one. If I can understand it, it is simple. And it is good news. It is, it is very good news. I look out here, and I, I know most of you, and, and I know that most of you have been saved a good while. And I, I don't know what happens, but somehow our minds get corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. We, we forget. Most of us have been rescued from a mess, have we not? And I can attest to that, a mess. And it wasn't something I just conjured up one day and decided I was going to do. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians 14. If you've got the ability, you can go ahead and put them scriptures up there, Michael. First Corinthians 14, verse 33, simply says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of saints. This gospel is not confusing. Man has made it confusing, but it is not confusing. How many years have you been saved, Jim? Thirty-three years. That's a long time to be serving the Lord, isn't it? What happens? What happens? We, we, we somehow... Forget when we were first saved how we fell in love with the Lord and 
doesn't happen to all of us, but usually at one point or another, we, we start to cool off and we start walking in our own confidence and in our, we actually try to serve God in the flesh. And it's just such a frustrating thing to do. It just brings us all to frustration. Uh, uh, turn to Galatians 3. Verse 1, Paul says to the Galatians, he said, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Receive you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? He said, no, you're not. We began in the Spirit. Remember, it tells us in Philippians that he who began the good work will be faithful to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. There's no one in this room that can look in the mirror and say, you started this thing. You're really something. Remember, it was God that rescued us. And somehow, I don't know how it happens, but I think we leave the simplicity that is in Christ, and all of a sudden we start walking in church attendance. We start walking in, well, I'm here. We start walking in even tithing. Keep tithing, (laughs) but don't walk in it. That's what we're supposed to do. Somehow, and I'll, I'll tell you, as, a, as your brother in Christ, I don't know how it happens, but somehow we leave the simplicity that is in Christ. Sometimes you just got to say, wait a minute, I, I'm saved. And it's not because of me. Uh, turn to Galatians 5. You know me, I'm going to have a bunch of Scripture for you. Verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. Look at those next few words. He said, you're fallen from grace. If you are justified by coming to church, by tithing, by praying, by speaking in tongues, if you are justified by, you say, you've cleaned up your act, he says, you are actually falling from grace. Oh, this is good news. It is good news, church, that God has rescued us. You understand, I was raised, uh, I was raised Catholic. And so I was brought up, I was an older boy from a very young age. And the, the, the teaching was there were big sins and little sins, and you went to confession and you told a priest your sins. When you died, if you had mortal sins, you went to hell, but if you had just venial sins, you went to purgatory until you were paid out by indulgences. If you've ever gone to Catholic church and you notice all the candles that are lit, if you light a candle, you must put money in the box. And so much money buys people out of purgatory. The trick is, you never knew when it was quite enough. 
There's 59 of us grandkids. Good gosh. It'd break, it would break the bank. The whole thing was, I was brought out of that wondering. I always thought you just did the best you could do and hoped one day that the good outweighed the bad. And most of us thought that the good outweighed the bad. Most of us did. I, I'm telling you, the law chased us six nights out of seven. And yet, I still thought that the good outweighed the bad. You know, Nate's working out Avon, and uh, there was this boy come up to him. He said, your last name's Gebhardt. He said, was your dad one of them Gebhardts from up on Eastman Street? Yes, he was. He goes, but we, we weren't even allowed up there. He said, the cops were up there every night. <laughs> Not every night. But you understand, I thought that the good was still outweighing the bad. So when I found out that the good news of Jesus Christ, that he paid the price for my sins on the cross, and I could know I was going to heaven, and I grabbed it. I said, oh my gosh, yes, I've got to do this. There's no wonder this is called good news. I can know I'm going to heaven, and it's not because of what I've done. It's because of what he's done. There's no wonder it's called good news. Aren't you glad? Listen, there are many. Jesus said, many will come to me in that day. Say, have we not prophesied? Haven't we done many wonderful works in your name? Depart from me. I never even knew you. Trusting in what they do rather than in what Christ did. No, it's good news, church. It is good news. I'm not tired of being saved yet. It's been 27 years. I'm not bored with it yet. I am not. If you are, you better question what you have. Galatians 2.21 says that simply, if righteousness comes by the law, Christ is dead in vain. If you and I can get to heaven by being good, the cross was a waste of time. Oh, my gosh. When I got saved, I was so mad. I said, what the heck? I was, I was an altar boy for crying out loud. If anyone's going to go to heaven, you'd think an altar boy would, right? I've got pictures of That's right. But what, what did, it, did it do me? You know, I've said before, an altar boy in the morning, a felon at night. What good did it do? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, not in church, in Christ, he's a new creature. I was in church. I went to church six days a week for eight years against my will. My whole point is, what good did it do? The change has to take place on the inside, not the outside. And when I found out that it was because of what someone else did, not because of what I did. It, listen, if, you, if the church ever gets a hold of this, it will set the church free. Because there are still people in here who believe they're going to heaven because they come to church who are not born again. 
You can tithe and come to church. You can do all that stuff and not make heaven because you're trusting in what you're doing, not in what he did. It is good news. John 3. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever... What's that next word? Can it be that simple? I hope so, because that's what I'm trusting in. I hope so. If not, I've been scanned. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting son, should have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned. Do you believe on him? Three of you do. That's good. I am not afraid to die because I believe on him. Only because of that. It's not, now I just can't go out and do what I want because I believe on him. Because if I truly believe on him, what I do will be what he wants me to do. Are you with me? I'm not going to get to heaven by being good. The Word of God tells me uh, in Ecclesiastes 7.20, There is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. If you talk to anyone and they tell you that they've arrived, run from them. They'll lie about other things too. Don't, do not trust anyone who says, Well, you can just, you reach this plateau one day and... Yeah, you've reached it, brother. Romans 3. All I can do is give you Scripture. I just want you to examine the Scripture with me and let God speak to your heart. Verse 19 says, Now we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by, by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that... Yes. Yes. You mean, you mean to tell me that because I believe that Jesus died for my sins, He is Lord of my life, just because of that, I'm going to heaven. You don't know me. I mean, I still, the things I want to do, I don't do, and things I don't want to do, I do, and... Oh, yes, because I believe in what he did at the cross was enough. Oh, yes. Grab it, church. Grab it and run with it. Luke 10. 
I'm trying not to rush through them because I have a few scriptures, but they, they're all important. And see, my problem is, I don't know if Andrew knows Christ. He might, he might not. And what I say, he's got to be able to get a hold of. His spirit has got to get a hold of. It's got to be simple enough for him to understand, for both of them to understand. For that young Mahopko boy sitting back there, what if he doesn't know Christ? It's got to be simple enough. It's good news to them too, you understand. Luke 10, starting with verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, the 70 of them, he said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. People stand in awe uh, watching an exorcism or watching someone be healed. or Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice. You and I have been rescued from an eternal hell. Proverbs 16.25 tells us there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Seems like if I come to church and I tithe and I don't cuss anymore, seems like I ought to go to heaven. Don't it? I don't drink anymore. haven't drank since Easter Sunday, 1982. Surely, if anyone's going to heaven, someone quit drinking, right? Seems right. No, there's not a way. It seems right to you, but that is not the way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But by me. Jesus said, the Father judges no man, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Jesus said, I know my sheep. They know my voice, and they follow me. You and I stand before the judgment throne of God just as sure as I'm telling you this right now. One day we'll stand there. I'll stand before the Father, and the Father will do one thing. He will look at the Son, see it on his right hand, and say, Who is it? I'll say, That's Bruce. Right here. Book of Life. Here's his name. That's the only way I am or you are going to heaven. Our names are written in the Book of Life because we trusted in what Christ did, not what we've done. The hardest people to be around are religious people. The hardest people. Romans 5. There is such a theme through the Gospels. When you hear Jesus having problems with people, you will hear the name scribe, Pharisee, high priest, Sadducee, all these religious people 
had a hard time with Jesus. And you know what? I'm crazy enough to believe there's religious people in here. Because I think some people think because they come to a full gospel church, surely they're in. Hey, we speak in tongues. Hey, God's not impressed. (laughs) He's not. God's not impressed with you and I speaking in tongues. Man, I just blew someone's theology away right there. He's not. That's a gift from God. He expects us to do it, but it does not impress Him. There's only one thing He's looking for. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by... You're saying it. Do you really believe it? Oh, we are justified. That word justified, you look it up in a Greek, and it means to render innocent because of what we believe. To render innocent. When God looks at me, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations work patience, patience experience and experience hope. And hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for That was us, the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners. Last night, Marsh and I was out, uh, and we went to Walmart over in Cambridge, and I saw Jason over there with Luke and Isaac. And... One of them was happy. If you heard the message this morning, whose birthday was it? You remember? It was Luke's birthday, so who do you think was happy? I attest to the fact it was not Isaac. Because Luke had birthday money to spend. Mm Mm-hmm, that is a problem. Isaac did not. And so... He, we heard this crying, and we looked in the carton, and there was Isaac, and he, he is, there was no question in anyone's mind. That boy was unhappy. I said, what's going on? And, and here's, here's Luke. Luke was just all smiling. He said, look, you got a great big thing of Legos, and I forget all what all he had, but he was happy. So Marsh and I just try and be diplomatic. said, Isaac, so how was your trip? Did you get to see bears? Yeah, yeah. And he started... He started come around a little bit. So we tried to make conversation with him. Got done talking. We walked away. And I tur- tur- just turned around and seen Isaac go, <laughs> he, t- he just turned it right back on again. You know, I, Jason was not going to give him to him. He was, not, he was not a happy camper. Jason, the dad, was not going to give in to him. But God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ saved us. He didn't wait on us to be good. He didn't wait on us. 
to clean up our act. Aren't you glad, Kevin? I'm so glad he did not wait on me to clean up my act. He'd still be waiting. Because guess what? We don't clean up our act. There is none righteous. No, not one. It tells us in James 2.10, if we keep the whole law art and just offend in one point, we're guilty of all of them. Oh, church, our hope has got to be what Christ did at the cross for us. If, if your hope is in you, I will tell you, with as much love I can muster up, you are not saved. If your hope is in what you are doing, is going to get you there, uh, you are not bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are exactly what I came out of. You are trying to get to heaven by being good. I'm telling you, that's why it's called good news. I'm not bored with it yet. Are you bored yet, Jody? Isn't it a great life? It's a great life knowing. He takes that burden of all the sin. He takes them all. The Word of God says He actually became sin. Took the... All those sins took it out of the way. The handwriting of ordinances that was against us took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross uh, through his flesh, I might add. Verse 9 says, Much more than being, oh my gosh, look at that next word. Now, Chad, right now, I'm justified by His blood. Right now, I am rendered innocent, right now, by His blood. Oh, it's good news, isn't it, Jackie? Right now. Right now. From the moment I surrendered my life to Christ, from that point on, when he sees me, I'm innocent. Oh, I'm not tired of this. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. Now. Right now. Right now. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Now. Now. How's it happen? How does it happen that this condemnation the enemy just heaps, the accuser of the brethren comes, yeah, I saw what you just did. I saw your thought. I know what you just said. It's the accuser of the brethren. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from All unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. You mean to tell me that God can take my slate 
and wipe it clean. Yes. Yes. You understand, this is what separates Christianity from everything else out there. Marshall was watching something on HGTV yesterday. This guy was making a, what was it called? Yeah, kind of like an outdoor room where he could do his yoga and all this stuff. And, and just to make the, the mood just right, he had a little statue of Buddha there by the waterfall. Good grief, Greta. You understand, every other religion tries to get to heaven or tries to get another better life by works and by doing stuff. That's, that's what Islam is all about. The, the Twin Towers, those guys, they think probably going to come back better. They've bought a lie. You and I are going to heaven because of what someone else has done. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Romans 8. Love the book of Romans. Uh, Verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. And whom He called, them He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. Are you getting the picture here? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. It's God. We've been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Justified. Remember, you've heard Pastor break that word down so many times. Just if I'd never sinned. To render innocent. That's what's going to happen. You and I already have been rendered innocent. Well, brother, you don't know me. I don't even need to know you. I got enough stuff to worry about with me. We all have stuff. I've been, I've been behind some of you driving. I am not the only madman behind the wheel. I am not. Aren't you glad you're, you're not hoping in your driving to get you to heaven? I've watched some of you drive. It might get you there quicker. But aren't you glad your hope is not in what you're doing? This is where people get tripped up. Somehow they start out right, they come to the altar, they receive Christ, and somehow, I don't know how it happens, their minds get corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ, and they start walking in their own. 
And that's how you get Pharisees and Sadducees. Scribes. Uh, Romans 5, verse 19. I love this scripture. For as by one man's disobedience, that was Adam, many were made sinners, so the by the obedience of one, that was Jesus, shall many be made righteous. Because you and I are going to heaven because Jesus was obedient, not because we are obedient. Aren't you glad? I'm not sure whether we're understanding this church. This is why it's good news. We are going to heaven because Jesus paid the price for our sins. We believe on Him. We are not condemned. It is that simple. It's this, this is not a trick. It's not. It really is that simple. Hebrews 8. In all my years of being saved, I must say that the 8th chapter of Hebrews is probably just about one of my most favorite chapters in the entire Word of God. I love this. This is so good. Verse 1. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer, offer gifts and sacrifices Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have someone also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. But now... Has he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises? Oh, this is good. It was a better covenant we have now. You remember uh, in Ezekiel says, The soul that sins, it shall die. This is a better covenant. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Why? Because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. I I got a new covenant. They didn't keep up their end of it. God said, I'm going to make a new covenant. We messed up, so God changed the rules. He said, I have a better covenant now. For this is the covenant 
that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind, write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. They shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. That is an all. I'd say that's a better covenant. He said, it's a covenant. I'll write my laws into your minds and into your hearts. And by the way, your sins and your iniquities, I will remember no more. Why do you think the accuser of the brethren is there? Oh, wait a minute. There's Jason Ravenel. You remember when he I said, I don't remember. Don't remember. Doesn't make sense to us because we can remember what someone did to us 20 years ago that was bad. And God says, it's a covenant I'll make with them. It's a better covenant. It's established on better promises. Your sins and your iniquities, I'm not even going to remember. He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. No wonder it's good news. An awesome God. Micah 7. Whenever I get opportunity to preach, I don't think there's ever been a time I don't use this scripture. Jonah, Micah, Nahum. Verse 18 simply says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardons iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retains not his anger forever because he delights in mercy. We're talking about our God now. He delights in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou will cast all their sins, all their sins, all their sins into the depths of the sea. All their sins. That, by the way, that is, that includes that same one the devil's been beating you up over. That you just can't seem to get by. God says, I have forgiven you for that. Matter of fact, I don't even remember it. It's a covenant. I don't remember it. What a God. What a God. The first time I heard the, the good news of salvation, I thought, this is awesome. March's dad, before uh, he passed away, I don't know how many years ago it's been, uh, he wasn't... He wasn't sure about me at first when I got saved. He had some real misgivings about me. And he shared them with his daughter. But after a while, he told her, he said, I, I, I think Bruce is real. I think whatever he's got is real. That he preaches, that's, that's a good thing. I called him. He called, he called house one day. He wanted to talk to me. Didn't ask for Marcia. Wanted to talk to me. 
And I, I told him about the gospel. And how, I said, Mike, you, you can actually know that you're going to heaven. I said, all the years I went to church, no one really ever told me why Christ died on the cross. Kind of sad. No one ever told me that I could have my name written in the book of life. To go all those years, isn't that sad? How many churches are like that out there? But I said, you, you can know that you're going to heaven. And I explained him the plan of salvation, trusting in the blood of Jesus. I just asked him, I said, would you, would you like to do that today? Oh, one of the wisest things I've ever heard this man say. I'd be kind of crazy not to, wouldn't I? I said, you'd be kind of crazy not to. And so he became saved, and he became a new creature in Christ. It was an awesome thing that happened, was it not, babe? God just cleaned him up, cleaned his mouth up, just started loving people. Yeah. Oh, it's good news. It's still good news. Exodus 12. That's why David said, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Oh, it's great joy to be saved. It is. Exodus 12 is God is telling Moses what is going to happen about taking the blood of a, that spotless lamb, striking it on the lintel and, and on the doorpost. All we're going to do is read one, one verse, or two verses in 12. He says, For I'll pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood... I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And so the first Passover was instituted. Well, when John saw Jesus in the wilderness, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You understand, if you, if you read in, in Hebrews, in the 10th chapter of Hebrews, it talks about how it, it, just, it was just once a year there was a covering for sin. But the Lamb of God came, and this one who knew no sin became sin. And he said, I'll remember their sins no more because I've come to take away their sins. Not just cover them. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood, oh yes. It's my only hope. It is my hope and your hope. It has to be. I still don't like me. I've been saved 27 years. I still don't like me. 
There are still so many things. This carnal nature, this war that goes on. Am I the only one? It's a war, is it not? So God gave me a vision a long time ago. Your hope cannot be in you, son. I told him, I said, God, it just seems like I keep looking for good in me and I can't find it. He just simply said, call off the search. It's not in you. It's The only thing good in you is me. There's nothing good in this carnal nature. I still think bad thoughts. You know, I still want to cuss at people. Oh, yeah, I, I, it's like right there. Think. Oh, I just know I can't, but I want to so bad. I feel like I could just step into it and be so good at it right away. <laughs> you ever feel that? But you know you can't. You want, what do you, and Marshall again. I haven't learned yet, have you? But did you see what he did? He just cut, he just pulled out in front of us. Uh, my hope is not in me, and I am glad. My hope is in the cross. It is in the cross. Uh, John 6. I ask you tonight, where's your hope? Where is your hope? Verse 28. Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Good question, isn't it? Oh, it gets no simpler than this. Look at verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on Him who He has sent. If that isn't simple, slap me. This is the work of God. You believe on Him who He sent. Wow. You, you kidding me? He that believes is not condemned. I believe. I'm not condemned. I've been passed from death to life. I will never die. Ever, according to the Word of God. He that believes in me shall never die. Remember what the 11th chapter of John with the whole thing with Lazarus. That he, he that believes in me, he's never going to die. You and I will go like this. We expire, we take our last breath, and then we go. Like we never missed a beat, never missed a breath, to be absent from the bodies, to be present from the, to, in the Lord. We are passed from death to life. Just like that. Why? Because we believe. When the roll is called up yonder, they will not be checking off church attendance. You, you understand there's people who never miss a service and tithe who are going to hell. I did say that. It is true. You remember? There are those who came to Jesus. They say, remember the rich young ruler? What do you do? Oh, yeah, I've kept all these commandments from my youth up. Give me a break. 
You need to talk to Ray Comfort. <laughs> right? Have you ever told a lie? Turn to John 11. We'll just look at that. Mike, you can work your way up here at your earliest convenience. Jesus is at the grave of Lazarus. Let's, let's start at verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that he, Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know. <laughs> I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection. The last day. That's probably what you mean, right? That's not what God meant. It's not at all what Jesus meant. I wonder how many of us know. We know. We know too much. We already answered. When we ask God questions, we answer for Him. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in Me, though He were dead, yet shall He live. And whosoever lives... And believes in me. Do you believe in him? Shall never die. Ever. Ever. I used to have a fear of death. I did. But when we lost our son, I watched him pass in our arms. He died in our arms. I watched him go from death to life. Just like that. It took away my fear of death. It's a step. We fight that step. We do everything we can, we can do to fight that step. The door that God has said we got to walk through. Because it's a point on the man wants to die. And then the judgment. We do everything we can to fight that. Those of us in our 50s, or 60s, or 40s, whatever, we fight it. I say, even so, Lord Jesus, come. You understand, because we believe, we live different. And because we believe, our names are written in the book of life. And because our names are written in the book of life, he said, I has not seen nor ear heard nor is it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. It's going to be a day. When we need to see you jump around, Jackie. It's coming. It's coming. I have a list of people I want to see. A list. I will tell you this, church. You do not want to miss heaven. You don't want to miss it. That's why the Word of God tells us in Romans that it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. He commended His love toward us while we were yet sinners. He died for the ungodly. We didn't choose Him. He chose us. 
He has made a way for us to get to heaven. He paid the price. We had nothing in it. So we, we believe. We follow Him. We turn. We repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. I, I was wrong doing that. I'm going to follow you. You mean because of that? And I believe that He died for my sins, paid the price for my sins. I'm saved. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that. And if I'm on Fantasy Island, don't wake me up. You just let me live this dream forever. Because this is what the Word of God says. I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did, not because of what I've done. I'd like everyone to stand their feet, please. I just want to ask you, if you're here tonight and you know Jesus Christ, you know that you're going to heaven because you've been bought by the blood of the Lamb. You know. If you know, you know that you know. I want you to raise your hand right now. I know. I'm sure. Okay, thank you. If you're here... And you don't know? It's what an altar is for. You come here. You come down to this altar publicly. Confess your sins. Ask God to forgive you. And invite Christ to be Lord of your life. This night. Is this the 16th or the 17th? What's the date today? 16th. August 16th, 2009. Your name can be written in the book of life. It'll be a great night. For those of you that know him, maybe you should just take time to thank him. Thank him. Not that the demons are subject unto you, but because your names are written in heaven. He has engraved your name and my name. He tells us the palm of his hand. What a God. The altars are open, church.